Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Today I'm going to be sharing, Pastor Rob wanted me to share on what's it mean to be baptized. So baptism is faith in action. Some of you have already been baptized. Don't turn me off. Don't go to sleep. I want you to understand that there are some things that perhaps we have failed to carry through on in our understanding of what was accomplished when you and I went through the waters of baptism. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13 through to the end of verse 17, the end of that chapter. And this, of course, is the baptism of Jesus. But what we are talking about, baptism is faith in action. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Oh, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What so often happens when it comes to this matter of being baptized We fail to understand it is faith in action. You see, folks, there are two ordinances which Jesus started and he established for the Christian church. Jesus started the ordinance of communion, which we just shared. And secondly, in the New Testament, Jesus started baptism. Wouldn't it be awful if we would go through and just ignore the Lord's Supper and ignore baptism when Jesus started it for a specific reason. Sometimes we do not fully understand what is happening in the spiritual realm by the things that Jesus instituted for our benefit so that we become more than a conqueror in this age in which we live. He knows what's going on out there. He knows who has been set up against you. And therefore, he established things like communion and baptism for us. And so this morning, as I walk through this time with you, I am trusting that there will be revelation knowledge that will come to you and to myself as we discuss this very important ordinance called baptism. So we baptize because Jesus told us to do it. 
as in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We baptize because the early church practiced it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 39, when the people heard Peter say what he did, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Right at the very inception of the church of Jesus Christ, baptism was put into place. Baptism is not just a ritual. It's not just a religious ceremony. It's not a traditional observance. But baptism is more than just getting wet. Baptism is faith in action. Baptism is your personal identification with the greatest act of human history. And that is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a public declaration of a Christ follower of their faith and commitment to Jesus. Baptism is a public commitment of a Christ follower to serve Jesus all the days of their life. Now, I want you to understand one very important thing. Baptism does not save you. Salvation comes from, by faith alone, according to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. Baptism does not save you. This is how salvation comes, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. You see, folks, if we could be saved through baptism and we said, oh, I have to get baptized so that I can be saved, that would be works. But our salvation is based upon grace alone, nothing that we could earn. It is what Jesus decided to, or God decided to do through Jesus. And it's by grace alone that we are saved through faith. Your sin and guilt that separated you from God is removed the moment you receive Jesus into your life. Now, notice this verse right here. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It almost looks like those two have to go together, doesn't it? But listen, folks. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say, whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. Do you see that? Here's an example why that's the case. Do you remember on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, there was a criminal on either side of him? One of the criminals, it's not important, 
one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, and he said this, Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing, nothing wrong. Then he said, turning to Jesus, Jesus, he called him Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to this criminal and he said, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had no time to get baptized. Baptism does not save you. Jesus set the example. Just like Jesus, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for John the Baptist, Baptist to baptize Jesus. He knew. He knew. This is a man that I'm not even worthy to tie or untie his shoes. He knew that this man before him was sent by God. And you know what else he understood? He was told, upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, he is the Son of God. And when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, it says, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Wow. Here's a fact. When you choose to go through the waters of baptism, whether it be in the pond, in the tank here, or in a pool, wherever there's enough water that you can get under, do you realize that you receive one of the most precious communication points that you will ever receive. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That ought to be enough to say, I need to be baptized because it's obedience to what God has ordained and what Jesus set the example for doing. So in summary, baptism. No, I'm not at the end of the message. In summary, baptism is an outward sign of an inward work that has already taken place in your heart. Number two, it symbolizes the new godly nature you received freely at the moment of your conversion. Three, it shows your willingness to identify with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. Number four, it shows your desire as a new believer to obey a directive from Jesus to be baptized. And number five, you are publicly declaring to yourself, your church, 
and your friends that you have personally decided to repent of your sins and follow Jesus. And as we sang, no turning back, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That's what you are declaring in baptism. So, baptism involves three things, and I don't have time to go through a whole bunch of other things, but I'm going to choose three things today, and they're three words. Baptism involves, number one, decision, number two, death, and number three, deliverance. As we look at number one, and we see there where there is a decision that has to be made. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So the question has to be asked, when did you receive Jesus as your Savior? When? Now for me, I can look back to a precise place and moment and date. February the 3rd, 1961, at the front of the town hall at Hanover, when a Youth for Christ service was held and an invitation was given, and I went forward in response to that invitation. And I knew when I was, I was sitting on this side of the auditorium facing in front, and about three rows back, and I was about halfway in the row, in the row and when the minister that was sharing that day began to talk about, would you be ready to die if you were to die tonight? I thought, I think so. I've always gone to church because I was 13 at that point. Always gone to church. Would you really be sure? And he gave this story. He said he was preaching at another place where a, um, a group had invited him to preach. And he said he saw in the back left-hand corner a man came into the service and was back there. And as he was preaching, he noticed that this man was very fidgety. And he said, as I gave the invitation at the end to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, instead of him coming forward, he went out the door. I thought, well, Lord, he's in your hands. Next morning, he said, I got a call from the pastor of that church where we were. And he said to me, he says, do you remember seeing a gentleman sitting in the back on that corner? He said, yeah. I saw him. He seemed to be very fidgety. And even when I gave the message or gave the invitation, instead of coming forward, he went that way. He said, on his way home, he was hit by a train crossing as he was going across the railroad tracks, and he was killed instantly. With the quick brain that I have, I thought, I have three railroad crossings to go across before I get home. That did it. That did it. I just thought, Lord, I don't know. I am going to get home. But I'm also going to make sure that if I don't get home, I'm going home. The decision. When did you give your life to Jesus Christ? Did you receive him? Because it says, but as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God, even those that believe on his name. That decision is 
very much like the decision to get married. Did you know that in Romans chapter 7, verse verse 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Listen this, that you may be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Did you know that? Romans chapter 7, verse 4. God's desire is that you would be married to another. What's that look like? Well, baptism is a bit like marriage. You know what? Some people want the benefits of marriage without the commitment of a marriage relationship. And therefore, they've come up with a common law agreement. Some people want the benefits of a relationship with Jesus but are not willing to commit to a relationship with him. In other words, I made the decision to come to Jesus, but following that decision, wow, my life has not resembled very much the life of Jesus in me. Baptism is a symbol like a wedding ring. It's meant to show the world that you love, trust, and have put your hope in Jesus. Now, I did this yesterday, and it came off. But today I'm nervous, and it won't come off. (laughs) But if I put a wedding ring on my finger, suppose I take it off, and I put the wedding ring on my finger, would that make me married? If I had no wedding ring, and I just found one and I put it on my finger. Would that make me married? No. Likewise, I can be baptized into a church, but that doesn't make a true believer of me and Jesus. Just by going through putting on a ring, saying you're married? No. Or going through baptism and not making a decision to follow Jesus. But I'm here to declare this morning I am truly married. I'm married to Dale. And on that day, on May the 9th, 19, I had to make sure I read that right. <laughs> on May the 9th, 1970, in front of all the guests that we had invited to be present at our wedding, at Lincoln Heights Missionary Church in Waterloo, Dale and I exchanged rings, and we said to each other, with this ring, I thee wed. Now, I know sometimes when Dale is doing um, baking, she will take off her rings and she will lay them on the counter. It is coming. Ah, I did. I must not be nervous. She would lay her ring on the counter. Why? She doesn't want to get it all full of the dough as she's making any kind of pastry. Now, suppose she doesn't have that ring in her finger. Would that mean that Dale and I are no longer married? No. Likewise, 
I can be a believer in Jesus without the ring on, but not be baptized. The fact still remains. My sins are still paid for. I still am forgiven by God, and I will still go to heaven when I die because some of you have not been baptized. You'll go to heaven. But I truly am married to Dale, and I love her dearly as my wife. So why wouldn't I wear this ring unless for some reason I had to take it off or she had to take it off? I want everyone to know who sees my left hand with that ring on that I'm married, I'm a married man, and could I introduce you to my wife, Dale? Likewise, since I have received Jesus as my Savior from my sins and Jesus is the Lord and the joy of my life, then I want everyone to know about it. So for some reason, God has designed baptism to be a statement to everyone who sees it that you've received Jesus for your salvation and you're committed to living for him. And so you put the ring on of baptism. And you're not ashamed of the Lord. You want the world to know, I am a follower of Jesus. So baptism means that you've, been made, that you've made a decision to turn away from the old life of sin to a new life in Jesus. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of the Son, the family of God. Do you know that? When that took place, in the miracle of a moment, supernaturally, you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of Satan, and you were moved to the kingdom of heaven, the family of God, in an instant. Do you know what else took place? Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, and that's where it is today. And that is what will be revealed at the end, to end times. And so when you're being baptized, you're declaring, wow. I'm from this kingdom, in here now I'm a part of the family of God. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and I want you to know that. That's what it's all about. Secondly, what about death? Now notice when I put death up there, I had to put a bunch of dots because it isn't just about the death, it's about the burial and the resurrection. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Let me just say one thing right here. You're going to wonder what baptism into, into Christ and baptism in, uh, into his death. Oh, what, what's this all about? When you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Jesus Christ, the church. When you are baptized in water, People like you and I baptize each other. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one that, that gives to you his spirit. So that's what we're differentiating between right now. This is the baptism by water. Jesus was baptized in his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life according to Romans 6, 3, and 4. So really what you are declaring is that you are publicly identifying 
with this amazing act of history, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what you're declaring. So the next slide is, as you stand in the water waiting to be baptized, you symbolize Jesus dying on the cross. You are crucified with him. When you are lowered into the water to be baptized, you're symbolizing Jesus being buried in the tomb. So you're buried with him. As you are raised from the water after being baptized, you symbolize Jesus rising from the dead, and you are identifying with being raised with him. What a picture. So since you're personally being baptized, you're saying, listen, I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I have been, I am risen with him as well. On this side, there is life, and it's meant to be more abundant. On this side of what Jesus has done for you and is asking you, would you portray this example that describes what you've done? Would you just walk through? What are you doing? You're proclaiming again, as we did with the Lord's Supper. You're proclaiming to the world out there that has been lined up against you. Look it. I died with Christ. I was buried with him. I'm raised. You have no right over me at all. You have no right over me. So in your baptism, you're preaching your own sermon without even using any words. It's just a picture. People out here may not know and understand everything about that picture, but I want you to know, you know what really matters? Those guys out there, Satan himself and all of his cohorts, they're the ones that need to be reminded. We lost again. We lost again. Thirdly, deliverance. Christ has truly made us free, according to Galatians 5.1. Remember our history, friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. They all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them that stayed with them wherever they were, and the rock was Christ. Baptism like ours. What in the world is he talking about there? You see, our baptism speaks about victory over the enemy, deliverance from the past, deliverance from sin, because Satan no longer has power over us. Why? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's what baptism is all about. But that story in the Old Testament about the uh, deliverance of Israel. It's a metaphor for the believer where Egypt is a type of this world 
Leaving Egypt is a type of redemption. Pharaoh is a type of the enemy who wants to enslave us. And the crossing of the Red Sea is a type of baptism. Keep this in your mind. For 400 years, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. The Bible says that they cried out to God for help. God raised up Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no. And there were 10 plagues. Finally, he says, yes, after all the firstborn Egyptians died one night. Now the excited Egyptians, or the excited Israelites leave Egypt free from slavery at last. But then Pharaoh changes his mind. Now the Israelites have a problem. The Red Sea is before them, and Pharaoh and his army is hot on their heels. But God made a way through the sea, and the Israelites are delivered. Now, what is the picture that God is wanting us to understand through the symbolism of water baptism? Here's the deliverance issue. You have given your life to Jesus Christ. You have, so to speak, come out of Egypt. You've been delivered from sin. Many of you have been delivered from habits. Some have been delivered from addictions. Some have been delivered from hurts, resentment, and pride. But there still are those who are being hounded by bondages. And as Pastor Don said, that's what set free retreat is meant to accomplish, to assist you in becoming free so that you would be free indeed. But when you get baptized, something deeply spiritual can happen. Boldly, you are declaring in the spiritual realm, Satan, you're defeated, and I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. Oh, listen, when the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they got on the other side of the Red Sea. And Exodus 15 records that amazing song. And one of the verses, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. But in baptism, your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. Do you believe that? See what I'm saying, folks? There's something that happens when you and I obey the Lord. And we say, yes, I choose to be baptized. As the worship team comes forward. Satan, you are defeated. I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. So on June the 24th at 10 o'clock here in this place, we're going to be having a baptismal service. We'll have a big tank up here. It holds one at a time. 
And dear people, I want you to know something. In preparation for that day, we have an article like this that is available at the Welcome Center. You can read through this. Because I'll tell you something, folks. I didn't get baptized right away. You see, when I was a child, I was raised in the Evangelical United Brethren Church. And in that faith, in that denomination, my parents baptized me as a child. I wasn't aware that it happened. I was only told, and there's a certificate that says it happened. But dear people, we're talking about believer's baptism. We're talking about something that you personally make the decision to choose to do. And so it wasn't until I was in Bible college that I remember sitting in a service at Faith Missionary Church on the campus of Emmanuel Bible College. And Ed Prosser was speaking that morning, and I was sitting right at the back. And I remember him sharing the message on baptism by immersion. Water baptism by immersion. And I'll tell you, folks, as I sat there and I listened, I knew God was saying, you need to obey. But I was in a dilemma. I thought, if I, if I get baptized... What's that saying to my mom and dad? I love them dearly. They love the Lord. They were just doing what their faith and what the practice of the church was. And I thought, I can't go forward and make that decision publicly yet. I went home back to the dorm and I wrote a letter. We didn't have email back then. It took snail mail. <laughs> and I wrote a letter and it took two weeks for me to get a reply. But I was on pins and needles wondering, what are mom and dad going to say? I am not discounting. They laid a precious foundation. But as I began to hear what the Lord was saying, I knew I had to respond because I was making my faith my own as a believer. And when mom wrote back to me, she said, Wayne, Dad and I have been talking about this, and we want you to know we will never stand in the way of what God asks you to do because he has his hand on you. Folks, God has his hand on you, and if he has something to say to you, he says it to you personally because he loves you, and he so desires to move you forward by faith through grace. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.